What is success doing in your life? Is it increasing your praise or is it increasing your pride? Perhaps you will find yourself saying there is too much pride and too little praise in this heart of mine. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick and Colin, I suspect many of us would put our hands up to that, uh, that with success comes a subtle test of temptation. Yeah, that's right. And subtle is the key word. You see, when a test is obvious, it's not difficult for us to face up to it. When we are finding that our backs are against the wall, boy, I need to pray. I really need to trust the Lord at this moment in my life. But you know, when things are going well and when we're blessed with success, it's easy to lose the sense of our own dependence upon God. It's easy to become self-satisfied and even to become arrogant. And that's where the subtle test begins. So today we're in Deuteronomy in chapter 8. So join us if you can as we continue our message, The Subtle Test of Success. Here's Colin. Here is the subtle test of success. That if we forget the Lord, when his blessing comes into our lives, we get the sense that somehow this came from our hand, that it came from our strength. And so Moses says, now, when you come in to experience the abundant blessing of the Lord, be careful. It's like a big danger sign. Watch out. Because when God blesses you, you are going to go into one of these two circles. It'll either be one or otherwise, verse 12, it will be the other. See, what this means for us, folks, is something like this. When you move into that new home, there is a temptation that you will face. When you graduate with that degree there is a spiritual danger for you to overcome. If your salary moves from five figures to six figures, there is a subtle test that you will face. You cannot avoid it. These things are all good gifts from God's hand. And if they are received, they are to be welcomed, they are to be celebrated, and we are to remember that The blessing comes from the Lord. But Moses says to us, be careful. Be on your guard. Because every blessing from the hand of God carries within it the subtle test of success. See, this is counterintuitive. It is the opposite of what we normally think. It is instinctive for us to think that the time that is dangerous to your faith is when you're sick. But actually what Moses is saying, be very careful when you're well. That's the time you're more likely to forget the Lord. You'll pray when you're sick. The time of your greatest testing may not be when you lost the job, but when you gained the job. The time you are most likely to grow cold in your walk with the Lord is not when your stocks are going down, but when your stocks are going up. Students. If you are getting straight A's, you may be in greater danger of spiritual pride. Satan may be more active in tempting you right there than if you got a B or a C. See, this is why Moses is saying, be really careful. Because 
Whenever you are granted success, and that is a good and a wonderful thing, it carries within it the subtle test of spiritual pride. By the way, remember this when you are tempted to envy someone who has more than you. You're tempted to envy someone who has greater opportunity, someone who has a larger property, someone who has a bigger income. Don't wish yourself into another man's temptation. You don't know what kind of steward you would be. And the very fact that you are struggling with some degree of envy may suggest that in fact you would not be the best steward of it and that it may be God's kindness and mercy that is keeping you protected from the ravages of this kind of temptation. From everyone who has much, much will be demanded. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, much will be, from him much will be asked or required. I think with great sadness about a man that I knew in London. He told me one evening, I remember the joy in his face, just in his early 30s. And he said to me, Pastor, he said, he'd been headhunted and given a job in the city of London and overnight he tripled his salary. And he said to me, Pastor, he said, something wonderful's happened. No, it's just the, just the blessing of God. He said, just the blessing of God. Over the next few months, I saw him change. Within a year, he had denied his faith. He had left his young wife and two young children. Satan got him. And all it took was an increase in his salary. All it took. He forgot the Lord. He began to say in verse 17, my strength and my power have produced this wealth for me. He felt strong. And it destroyed him. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says, one of Satan's greatest tactics is that he causes a man to feel that he is making his way in the world when all the time the reality is that the world is making its way in him. Let's pause here for a moment longer. Success can destroy a generation if we forget the Lord. You know, this scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I think could be written as a banner over the boomer generation, my generation. The 78 million of us born between 1946 and 1964. I was watching a documentary by Tom Brokaw, who of course wrote the book on the greatest generation, the earlier generation, now focusing his interest and attention on analyzing the dynamics of the boomer generation. Largest generation ever. And we have enjoyed as a generation greater wealth than any other generation period. But from Woodstock on, in large measure, 
we have forgotten the Lord. As we have amassed great wealth, we have said, my strength and the power of my hand has done this. Os Guinness has this perceptive comment. He says, you know, rebellion against God does not begin with the clenched fist of atheism, but rather with the self-satisfied heart for whom thank you is redundant. The lives of those who feel no need to give thanks to God. In large measure, that is the story of this generation, is it not? More than that, success can destroy a church if we forget the Lord. Think about this. There is a subtle test that comes to a church when it grows and when ministry begins to expand. When a church grows, other churches want to know how it happened. What was the secret of your success? Books get written, seminars go on the road. The church begins to say, look what we were able to do. And Satan runs rampant. Have you not seen this? A few weeks ago, I asked you to join me in prayer for two things, God's protection and God's provision. We need his protection because we are experiencing his blessing. Here we are on the countdown about to open two new sites. And if Moses was here, he would stand on this platform and he would say to us, be careful. Be careful. Do not forget the Lord your God. And whatever you do, don't be tempted for one moment to say my power or the strength of my hand has done this. So success can destroy a church. You're listening to Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible with today's message, The Subtle Test of Success. It's part of our series, Take Two, The Power of a Fresh Start. And if you've missed any of the series or you might want to go back and listen again, you can do that by coming online to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Or you can find us as a podcast. Just search for Open the Bible UK on your regular podcast site and subscribe to receive regular updates. Back to the message now. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Here's Colin. I was ordained in uh, Charlotte Chapel, wonderful church in Edinburgh was the largest Baptist church in Scotland. And do you know what I mean when I say at least some of the members were very aware that it was the largest Baptist church in Scotland? And my pastor, Derek Prime, was very sensitive to the temptation that that involved. And he used to say very regularly something like this. He would say, remember that the life of the church is the blessing of God. And if God were to shut off that blessing, any church would dwindle to nothing before you even knew it. Is that true? It's true. It's right. The blessing of God. Now, here's my question then. Since the blessing of God will lead you into one of two circles, it will either lead you into a circle of praise or it will lead you into a circle of pride. Uh, my question then is, what is success doing in your life? Is it increasing your praise or is it increasing your pride? And maybe you will find as you look into your own heart, as I ask you to search your heart, as I have again been seeking to search mine, Perhaps you will find yourself saying there is too much pride and too little praise in this heart. 
of mine. Now that then leads to the question where we detect pride. How do you break out of the circle of pride? How do you get back into the circle of praise? How, how do you break that pattern of thought that takes credit to yourself for what you have accomplished in your life? Look with me at verse 17 and 18. You see, Moses is describing in verse 17 the person who's locked into the circle of pride. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, verse 17. Now verse 18, but, but, now you see here's a transition. Here's how you break out of the circle of pride. But, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms the covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Now Moses is just making this obvious point, isn't he? You say it was my strength that did this. You say it was the power of my hand that did this. And Moses is simply saying, well, where did you get the strength? Who gave power to your hand? Where do you think that came from? Who gave you the skills that built that successful business? Who gave you the mind that was able to discern these truths? Who gave you the strength that achieved your success? The book of Daniel, there is a story that really is a wonderful illustration of what Moses is speaking about here. It tells us in Daniel chapter 4 about Nebuchadnezzar, a king who accomplished extraordinary things. And one day, you can read it in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30, King Nebuchadnezzar was out there walking on the roof of his royal palace in Babylon. And he's looking over these wonders of the ancient world. And he says this, it's recorded in the scripture. He says, strutting on the roof, he says, is this not the great Babylon that I have built by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? That is what Nebuchadnezzar said on the roof of his own palace. And the Bible says that while Nebuchadnezzar was actually saying this before the words were off his tongue, God spoke and Nebuchadnezzar, in a moment, lost his mind. He became completely mad. The Bible tells us that for a time after that, he was away from the palace, away from the people. He ate grass, lived with the animals in the field. And can you picture this? His hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails became like the claws of a bird. Can you imagine how desperate that man became? And he gives us his testimony. This man who'd been strutting on the roof and saying, look at what I've done. He says that after a time in this dreadful condition, he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. 
And then I praise the Most High God. Everything he does is right, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. See, Nebuchadnezzar, you're saying it's the strength of your hand that's done this? Boy, apart from the mercy of God, you haven't even got a mind that can put two thoughts together. Luther has a a lovely picture here. He says this. I find it helpful to think about it. He says, God uses our effort as a mask under which he blesses us. That makes you think, doesn't it? God uses your effort, all the effort you put into your work and all your skills, all your gifts, all your abilities. God uses all of that as a mask under which he blesses us. You see, people see what you've accomplished. People see the mask. They see what's on the outside. They see the mask. They say, well, you're very gifted. You're very talented. How much he's accomplished. But Luther says, if you are very wise, you will know that that's just a mask. And that underneath it, the real explanation of the good that has happened in your life does not lie ultimately in your talent and your gift and your effort and your success, but in the blessing of God that has come to you without which you would be nothing. And so he says God blesses us sometimes through our efforts, sometimes without our efforts, never from our efforts, and always because of his mercy. Matthew Henry has this lovely comment. He says, only God can say, I am who I am. All the rest of us have to say, by the grace of God, I am who I am. And then he says this, I'll just read this quote to you here. I love the way Matthew Henry puts it. He's writing from a past century, as you'll understand from his wording here. He says, when we have got it, We must not say it was the might of our hand that got it. We must own that it was God who gave us the power to get it. And therefore in him, we must give thanks and praise and consecrate the use of it. To him, we must consecrate the use of it. See, the New Testament puts it like this in the form of a very simple question. What do you have that you did not receive? That's the question. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Really, what do you have? that you did not receive. And you see, that takes us to the heart of the gospel, doesn't it? You are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement, bearing your sins on the cross, shedding his blood. And so Paul says, when he explains how we are saved, he says in Romans in chapter three, well, there where is boasting. And he says, it's excluded, obviously. Because we are redeemed not by the strength of our hands, not by our gifts or our intelligence, or by our effort, but by the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One story and then we're through. Carl F.H. Henry was an extraordinarily gifted man. Many of you will have heard his name. His brilliant mind and his wise judgment were used by God, perhaps more than any other person in 
shaping the evangelicalism of the second half of the 20th century. Carl Henry, who is with the Lord now, was a man of extraordinary scholarship. He was a prolific author. He was involved in the founding of uh, Fuller Seminary, had influence in the seminary we love at Trinity, director of Christianity Today. Late in Dr. Henry's life, uh, Dr. Don Carson conducted an interview with him. And the interview really covered uh, his career and the events and the achievements of half a century. And at the end, Dr. Carson asked him this question. Dr. Henry, having achieved so much in your life, how do you stop it going to your head? And Henry said this, how can a man possibly be proud if he's standing beside a cross? How can a man possibly be proud if he's standing beside a cross? And friends, at the end of the day, there are only two kinds of men, there are only two kinds of women. There are those who are standing on their own achievement. And there are those who are standing beside the cross. What about you? Fear the Lord and his blessing will lead you into a circle of praise. Forget the Lord and his blessing will lead you into a life of pride. But how can anyone be proud if he or she is standing beside a cross? That's a great question, isn't it? How can any of us feel pride when we're standing beside the cross? You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, The Subtle Test of Success. Part of our series, Take Two, The Power of a Fresh Start, based on the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' words to a new generation. Their parents had the opportunity to enter the Promised Land, but they didn't take it. Deuteronomy is Moses' challenge to the next generation, the generation that had the fresh start. Don't forget, you can hear the whole of this series to date on our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Or you can keep up with it as it goes along as a podcast. Just search for Open the Bible UK on your favourite podcast site and subscribe to receive regular updates every day. The work of Open the Bible is supported entirely by our listeners. We're able to stay on this station and on the internet because of people just like you. As we reach the end of another month, it's the last opportunity to take advantage of our offer. In return for setting up a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'll send you a copy of a book. It's called Psalms by the Day, and it's by Bible scholar Alec Mottier. Colin, how would we benefit from reading this book? Well, I expect that folks will often have had the experience of feeling that you've read something from the Bible, but you've really only scratched the surface. And uh, I've found this book to be really helpful in a deeper understanding of the richness of the book of Psalms, which I think is one of the most wonderful books in, in all of the Bible. Alec Matier is a wonderful Bible teacher and a marvelous and faithful scholar now with the Lord. He gives his own translation of the Psalms 
And that brings out meaning that you might not immediately see just in a first reading of the Psalms in the Scripture. For example, Psalm 1 begins by talking about the blessed man who is planted by rivers of water. And Alec Mateer makes the point that that word planted actually has the meaning of transplanted. Now, that opens up a whole new world, doesn't it? I mean, that I've been taken from one place and I've been rooted in another. That is what God in his grace and in his mercy has done for me. He's transplanted me by streams of living water so that even when hard times come, the leaves will not wither. That, that's beautiful. Well, there's just one example from Psalm 1. There are 150 Psalms, and this book is over 400 pages. It's a beautiful resource, a rich resource that folks will really enjoy. I treasure it, and I'm delighted that we have the opportunity of sharing it this month. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book to thank you for setting up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more. Details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and for Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll be able to join us next time. There are four dangers for God's people when it comes to the poor. Find out what they are next time on Open the Bible.